What are the secrets of those extraordinary individuals that have achieved extraordinary success? Listen to their stories, discover their knowledge bursts, make those connections. Get ready. It's time to start moving forward. John Lim here, and we're moving forward today with James Nowlin, CEO and managing partner of Excel Global Partners, a company providing consulting and solutions in the areas of executive business, finance and accounting, and IT and data technology. He is also the author of the book, Purposeful Millionaire. How are you today, James? I'm doing fantastic, John. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh, no. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us. I'm really excited to have you on the show, James. I mean, you've got an interesting background. You're in so many different great areas. So tell our listeners about yourself and share a little of your career journey. Oh, it's been quite the journey, John. And I'll tell you, you know, from leaving my parents' house at the age of 17 and uh, going off to college and then to medical school and dropping out of medical school to go to law school and then practicing law and then quitting law to start my own firm. It's been quite the journey. But at the end of the day, I have to tell you, I found myself in that journey. Mm -hmm. And I'm now doing what I was meant to do. And I'm living a happier, more abundant life than I've ever lived. But it took some struggles along the way. And it took some learning about myself and what I actually wanted to be and do in my life. I didn't exactly have a lot of people who looked like me uh, as a as models of the highest levels of success uh, when I was growing up. But mm-hmm. once I figured things out, the blessings started rolling in. <laughs> yeah. Well, James, I mean, it sounds like you took a very traditional path that a lot of us, including myself, followed. So you went to school, you studied hard, you went to grad school. It sounds like first you tried medicine and then you went into law. And then you I'm assuming you did pretty well as a lawyer. So what? when did the entrepreneurial bug kind of uh, bite at you? You know, I I did pretty well as a lawyer, and I was the first in my family to make it to the big white-collar leagues and uh, to get the Juris Doctor degree and all that stuff, and the first in the family to make a six-figure income. And Mm -hmm. and I was starting off back in 2006, uh, making $130,000, $140,000, a year or so. And that was a heck of a lot of money back then, and it's a lot of money now. And I thought I'd really made it. But then I realized that that was not my calling And um, I faced some issues within the law firm where I was recognized for my intelligence and my capabilities by my boss, but he was not comfortable having somebody who was not only a person who was of color, but somebody who was also a gay American. Mm. And ultimately, I was not going to self-destruct or implode uh, by having those kinds of – by having certain comments made to me. And um, I knew that I did not deserve that kind of treatment and that I should be judged by the content of my character and my intelligence and my capabilities versus other characteristics. And I walked away and I started my own firm. And it's not a law firm, but it's a consulting firm, uh, as you mentioned earlier, that helps corporations to optimize financial and operational performance. And uh, we've been in business for 11 years now. The firm is Excel Global Partners. And we've done work in more than 20 different states and 15 different countries. So we're growing, growing, growing. And I'm proud that I took that first step in faith saying, I don't deserve uh, to be treated this way. And I was a young man at 26 making, you know, well above $100,000 a year, but I walked away from that. And it took guts back then. And that was the foundation upon which I built the rest of my career, not being afraid, willing to step out in faith and to do what I believe is part of my divine plan and calling. And that is to be a great leader in business and to help uh, inspire inspire and empower empower others 
uh, on their journeys to success. Was, was it scary for you to, to take that leap? I mean, leaving that behind. And I, I've been on that journey. I know a lot of people have been on that journey as well. I mean, you're in a career, a lucrative career, maybe not entirely happy with the environment, and you decide to leave that behind to take that big leap into entrepreneurship. I think, uh, you know, I had the daylight scared out of me by walking away from a law firm like that because I was told that that was everything that I was meant to be. I mean, I had my my office. It was on the top of a tower. It was floor-to-ceiling glass. My secretary sat outside of my office. I had the assistance of a paralegal. I thought that I had had achieved and made it, but my role models of success coming up were the Huxtables. I would watch Mm -hmm. um, a lawyer and a doctor in this beautiful home with this very highly functional family. And I said, well, I have to be either a doctor or a lawyer to be successful. I became a corporate attorney. I was successful at it, but I was not fulfilled. And fortunately, I was willing to walk away from it. Now, once I did walk away, John, the Great Recession came along. Mm -hmm. And I have more than one friend who lost his house. And I have Mm -hmm. more than one friend who declared bankruptcy during that time as well. So I launched my firm right before the um, housing implosion and the Great Recession hit at its hardest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I launched, I thought everything was going to be okay. And then a few months later, the bottom fell out of the sky. Oof. And, oh, my gosh, you want to talk about being scared because I was, uh, I was sky high in law school debt. I had assumed this lifestyle of a kid at 26 making more than $100,000 a year with the BMW and the house, and you know, I had started buying things, and I thought that my happiness should be equated with the things that I could manifest to others and show to the world that I had made it with the clothes and the shoes and those kinds of things. And I was loaded down with debt, mm. and it, I was just scared. I, I would go to sleep at night scared, just thinking, what in the world have I done here? I left this very comfortable job to start this firm. I don't have any clients. I have no income. I've got all these bills, and boom, the Great Recession hit me. But I'll tell you, John, looking back on that experience, I'm appreciative for that experience. It made me more financially conservative. It made me a better businessman. It made me wiser. It humbled me. It it just flat out made me a better person, and I take that with me everywhere I go, and I take that with me with purchasing decisions too. Do I really need this, or do I just want this? And a lot of the time, I'll be – I I don't shop very much, but when I am in a store, I'll just say, you know what? I've already got that at home, or I already have that item in my imagination. I don't need it. It's something that I want. Therefore, let me focus on increasing my assets and decreasing my liabilities. A pair of shoes is a liability. A Ferrari is a liability. And some people would argue, including myself, that one's house, their homestead, is a liability because, of course, you can't make any money off of it until you sell it. So um, 11 years later, we're very strong in the business. Uh, I am feeling good. I've got air underneath my wings. And it's all backed by being humbled on a, uh, a quite a treacherous journey to, to get to this stage. So it's all in all since the age of 17. Now I'm 36. It's been a 19 year over overnight success story. <laughs> oh, that's well, James, really, really appreciate you sharing that. I think that is so cool. I mean, just the pivots that you've made. But let's dive a little bit deeper into th- that phase of your life when you were starting the business 
the downturn in the economy, as we know, I mean, it hit everyone hard, including especially the legal profession. So whether you stayed in it or not, you were going to be impacted by that. So one of the things that we like to talk about moving forward are, you know, the, the setbacks. And especially as an entrepreneur, you're going to hit setbacks, you're going to hit roadblocks. I'll use the F word that a lot of lawyers are afraid to use. You're going to sometimes fail. So I was wondering if you could share with our listeners, was there a time in that part of your journey when you're starting out the business where you just felt like things just completely fell apart? You know, it's happened on more than one occasion. Uh, in the beginning, of course, I talked about not having any clients, but then I went on to seek counsel from others who had succeeded in business, and someone sat me down and said, you know, there's a model to scale your business and to build your business, and I'm going to share something with you that I want you to take with you for the rest of your life. And he said, I see that you don't have any clients. You're not succeeding at the level that you should be succeeding, but listen to me and remember this. And he said, would you rather be right or would you rather be rich? Hmm. And he said, let me repeat that. Would you rather be right or would you rather be rich? Now, when it comes to business, a lot of people think, well, I don't have to work for the man anymore. And I've got my own LLC and I've got my own business. Um, but the reality is you do work for the man. You do work for clients and you're seeking more clients. They are your boss. And today, even having the millionaire status and the lifestyle that I live, I have many, many, many bosses. And that means, John, that I can't be right all the time, even though I might have the backing and the subject sure. matter expertise that people pay for. My job is to guide and to navigate situations to get the, get to the best possible solution for that client and for that business and not to preach to people what they should be doing or what they should not be doing. So number one, it was, would you rather be right or would you rather be rich? That was a real turning point for me. And when I started to realize that failure is an option and that it's mm. okay to fall flat sometimes, yeah. If you risk nothing, you really gain nothing. And my courage muscle is stronger after having been mm. in 11 years of business and having succeeded and having fallen flat on my face enough times where if I fall flat on my face now, I know that everything is going to be okay because what I do is I keep executing and yeah. I keep trying yeah. and I keep doing and I don't stop and I don't come home with my tail tucked like a dog with my uh, tail tucked between my legs and, and run away from the situation. I keep plowing through it and I'm chipping away at my dream on a daily basis. So I embrace failure because every time I fail, I'm learning something new mm, and I'm constantly improving and honing my plan and adjusting my plan and becoming more flexible and more nimble. And what I've also learned in the face of failure is to not tell the universe, which consists of your clients and your customers, what they should buy and what they should expect. Learn from them about what they want and adjust and sometimes that meant failure for me when I would present something that I thought would sell in terms of a service to a particular client, and it did not. But what I did do is I learned from that failure. I would go to the marketplace and I would ask people, what is it that you really need from your consulting service provider in terms of where you want your business to get from point A to point B? And when I listened and when I stopped uh, having my ego at the front of my mind and I just pushed it away and I put it towards the back of my mind and I minimized that ego, that's when I was able to expand. Yeah. And for me, happiness is expansion and I've learned to listen. And the listening decreases the failures. But I'm a human being 
I'm going to continue to take risks because I know that risk, if you risk nothing, you gain nothing. And I'll keep pushing. So I'll, I'll hopefully be in business when I'm 90 years old, John. I absolutely love that, James. But, you know, that's such a big mindset shift, especially, you know, having been in the legal profession where we're taught to be very risk averse, not to rock the boat. And, and uh, we're always looking at kind of the glasses half empty side of things. And I think that just comes with being in the profession. When, at what point did you make that mindset shift? It sounded like you worked with some coaches who kind of helped get you there, especially with that pivotal question. But at what one point in your journey did things start to align and click for you? It was really an awakening when I began my first uh, few weeks at college. And um, I talk about some of the domestic violence that I overcame as a child growing up in my father's household for the first 17 mm-hmm. years. But I'll be real with you, John. Um, when I went to college and I said goodbye to my mom and she was driving away with my dad because I had grown up in such horrible domestic violence and being afraid of him, and she was afraid of him as well, I honestly thought that I was saying goodbye to my mom for the last time. I thought that my dad would kill her. Um, He did not. I made it to Thanksgiving. She was alive. I made it to Christmas. She was alive. As far as I know, I was not in that house to witness the domestic domestic violence, but it continued, I'm sure. Um, But I thought, you know, when I went to college that – I would not be there to protect her and that I would lose my mom. And that scared me. And people uh, to this day who are my friends back from college say, you know what, you were a little you were a little shaky those first couple of months and you didn't bring your authentic self. And I didn't really get to know James until deep into our college experience. And that was because I could breathe. But John, the shift happened for me when I saw successful families talking to each uh, to each other. Uh, supporting each other, communicating in such a way where I would I would be sitting in, in our little living uh, uh, area in our dorm, and I would overhear students talking to their parents, and they would end the conversation with them saying, hey, I love you. Mm. And so I called my mom, and I said, you know, we don't say that in our house. Can we please start ending conversations with those three words, I love you? Yeah. So I started modeling the communication behavior, and I also started modeling some of the financial behaviors where I would hear students talking with their parents, or I would look at how students were spending their money on education, and they would give their parents a call and say, hey, I want to audit a course. Can I get some money for these books? And I thought, wow, oh my gosh, they can call their parents and get money to audit a course, and it's not even mm-hmm. going to be on their transcript, and they're investing in education, and that's not even part of their major planner or part of their minor yeah. in college. So I started to reevaluate how I communicated, embraced family, others, and also how I saw money as a tool for self-uplift. So that's where my awakening occurred. It was during those first few months where I moved from a poverty consciousness to what this wonderful thing of being in an, in an abundance consciousness is all about. But that shift really did not happen overnight. It happened by watching others. It happened by reading books. And it happened by doing what I call RTFM, reading the freaking manual. (laughs) And I read manuals on how to be a good family man, how to communicate kindly, how to be uh, uh, less arrogant, how to achieve dreams and goals and career excellence, how to become a subject matter expert, how to win in business, all those things I learned by reading the freaking manual and by modeling behaviors uh, by people who I saw as well-adjusted, successful others. Yeah, I absolutely love that, James. And I think for moving forward, listeners, I love that acronym, you know, RTFM, read the freaking manual. And that's going to lead us perfectly into our next section. So, James, are you ready for the Knowledge Burst session? 
I'm ready, baby. All right, let's do it. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. And I'm really excited. Leading off from what we just talked about, and I love that acronym, RTFM, Read the Freaking Manual. So share with us, and it may be hard to pick one, but I'm going to ask you to pick a particular source. And it can be an inspirational movie, book, song, or I add to this cultural experience, something that really inspired you to move forward. The thing that inspired me me to move forward was reading Wallace Waddle's The Science of Getting Rich. Oh, that's a great book. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. So The Science of Getting Rich is the foundation upon which so many other books are written about this yeah. philosophy of success and how we've got to train our subconscious in terms of producing seeds of success and not thinking in terms of limitation. Now, I go back to Waddle's work, which was uh, written decades and decades ago, and the rules back then are still the rules that are true today. And I read that book probably on a quarterly basis, and it's uh, last time I checked, it was available for a free – it was a legitimate free download online where one could print it out. Um, and I access it. I've got you know highlighted portions that I refer to when I might be feeling a little bit discouraged. But Waddle, Waddle, Wallace Waddles teaches us to um, stay the course, to invest in ourselves first so that the universe can respond favorably. Also, one of the things in terms of the abundance consciousness movement that he gets right is that you not only have to uh, meditate on success, but you've got to do the work too. Yeah. Now, I see some readings out there and some philosophies where uh, just pray on success or just meditate on success and it's going to happen to you. That has not been the reality for me. Mm-hmm. And that is not the reality that Waddles puts out into the universe. It is all about um, uh, what really an African proverb nails on the head. And that is when you say a prayer, move your feet. Mm-hmm. So in yes. other words, when you say a prayer, do something about it. And that's actually a plaque in, in my office, in my house, Wallace Waddles teaches us that, Um, and that's what I share in my book as well, The Purposeful Millionaire. It's more tuned for the uh, 2017 and 21st century investor and entrepreneur and business person and somebody who wants to create wealth in their life. But these principles, surprisingly, haven't changed since the Carnegie's and the Rockefeller's. It's just put in motion by people who've got access to information who can buy a $14.99 book now or who can do a YouTube search or who can sign up for something like your podcast to receive the inspiration. Now, who we attach to who's sharing that message might look a little bit more like us. We might relate to their story a little bit more, but the philosophies overall are the same decade after decade about but Waddles put out there into the universe. Yeah, great share. James, recommend if you have one. Do you have a favorite app, website, or resource that has been a real game changer for you? So from a technical perspective, join.me is one of my favorite um, tools to use within the office. Mm-hmm. So I can quickly share my computer screen with anybody. They can share their computer screen with me. And it's just fast and it's super reliable. So join.me is fantastic for yeah. me. And do you have a particular hack for it that you have found, hey, this is the way we take the best advantage of this tool? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what I'll do is I'll just text somebody a link and say, hey, just look at my computer screen. Like, for example, if I find myself um, in a particular um, uh, situation where I'm trying to describe what I'm seeing on my screen or what I'm working on, I just say, hey, here you go. And the person can see it on their phone or they can see it on their computer screen. And it's super, super fast. So it's copy paste 
and you send the person the link, they can see what's going on. And you can also pass the ball to that person where they can control what's on your screen. And I find that really super fantastic. It's not even expensive. Now, from a spiritual perspective and a staying grounded perspective, there's a um, uh, an app that I love that's called three-minute motivation, I'm sorry, three-minute mindfulness. Hmm. And it sends me reminders throughout the day to to breathe, to ask me if I can feel my toes, to reflect upon my day. And you can get reminders to come on to your computer screen, to pop up on your smartphone, to pop up on your smart device. And all these reminders do is they just uh, help you to get into a more mindful state because we're so attached to uh, these external pop-ups and social media and having calendar invites and reminders that we don't take the time to breathe at times and we don't take the time to turn off the external so that we can turn on the internal. Mm. And three-minute mindfulness helps me to turn on the internal so that I can check in with James to see how he's doing because if he's doing his best, he can deliver his best to the world and he can affect the lives of others in a more positive way. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, James, you may have already answered this next question, but this knowledge burst, I'm really particularly interested in hearing from you. How do you recharge your batteries or reboot when you just feel like you've hit a roadblock or you're up against the wall? So... I've got to be honest, that's been a little bit of a challenge for me recently with the growth of the business as well as I'm being a published author and everything. Our book launch was a great success. It's been 16 and 18 hour days. And I have found myself getting a little bit more sick more frequently, getting colds more often. Um, But I'm working on uh, uh, setting time aside for myself and my partner after the book signings and tours to do where I just sit and do nothing. And that means turning the phone off and putting it on to airplane mode. And even if it's the middle of the day, I'll let people know, guys, I'm just going to be unavailable. And my house is my sanctuary for me, John. So I've created little niches, alcoves, comfort spaces within my house. I've also surrounded it with really, really good scents Mm. and sounds with surround sounds so that when I come home, I can completely recharge. Now, for me, recharging happens when, again, I turn off the external and turn on turn on the internal. Every single morning, I do something for my body and my mind. Mm-hmm. Now, I read and I was taught years ago that meditation should take place on a pillow or on a rug on the floor, but that doesn't work for me. Right. What works for me is if I'm doing yoga and I'm moving or doing free body weight exercises and I bring an intention to my breath and I bring an intention to a thought that I want to put into the universe during that actual ritual or practice. And it's something that I do every single morning, and it helps me to get through these really long days of travel, of interviews, of meetings, of marketing, of, you know, uh, I've still got a firm to run, so I'm reviewing contracts and doing a lot of administrative things. But when I'm taking care of my mind, my body, and my spirit, because of that ritual, which often only lasts 20 minutes in the morning, and I do it on a consistent basis, it gets me into what I call flow, F-L-O-W, fulfilling life by optimizing work. When I can get to my best self, which is my calling, such as talking on this uh, uh, interview with you right now to motivate and inspire others, I'm in my flow. So I am executing as quickly as possible to get the administrative stuff um, out of the way so that I can actually maximize 
uh, my gift to the world in this flow state and spend as much time as possible on my true gifts and as little time as possible and as, as quickly as possible to get through the administrative stuff that you just have to get through. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, you can find links to many of the books and resources mentioned by today's guest, along with offers to try out Audible and Amazon Prime. These are affiliate links for which I receive a small commission, which helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. You can find these on the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. James, are you ready to do a little time travel? I'm ready. All right, we're going to step into a time machine, and I want you to pick a time in your past. Pick a time where maybe you might have been struggling or you might have been almost at a crossroads, but you just weren't sure where your life was going. And I want you to share one piece of advice or one lesson with your past self that you wish you would have known then. What I wish I had known then, it boils down to this, John, don't compete be unique. Mm. And for me, having to find myself as not wanting to be a doctor, not wanting to be a lawyer, and also being a person of color uh, who did not necessarily have many um, much access to different models of success right there in front of my face in terms of what I could do with my career, made me pretend. And I, I didn't truthfully bring my truest, best, authentic self to situations. Now, at the age of 36, having gone through um, what I've gone through with business growth and uh, being rewarded, quite quite frankly, for my authenticity and knowing that people are going to receive integrity when I'm sitting at a boardroom table, um, I'm comfortable now and I'm happy now. And I realized that in the past, a lot of my frustrations and pain and tiredness came from trying to be somebody else. Mm. Not only did I have the task at hand to do, but I was working 24 hours a day at trying to be somebody else. Yeah. Well, guess what? I am not Caucasian. I am not straight. I am not um, whatever when it comes to certain political things. I am not of a certain religion or whatever. I am spiritual, kind, loving, giving James who happens to be this, that, and the other. And it's a multifaceted package. I embrace all of me. And I feel so good about the fact that I can now breathe and I cannot compete. I can be unique. And I know that the universe is going to reward me for that. That's a damn good feeling, John. <laughs> and here's the flip side, though, James. How do you think your past self would have responded to that advice? Oh, my past self would have said, you got to be kidding me. You got to <laughs> really be kidding me. Um, I, I would not have been able to believe that uh, at the age of 15, 17, 21, or whenever, that I could be this authentic about who I am, this truthful, bringing this voice to my clients, to stages that I speak on, and be appreciated for that. Yeah. We're always looking at somebody else thinking, oh, that's the model for success. But in the words of Oscar Wilde, just be yourself because everybody else is already taken. I am glad that I've had the awakening and knowing that James's best self is his most beautiful self, his brown skin, his brain, his quirkiness, his um, 
anal retentiveness when it comes to being on time for things or, or working to ensure you know perfect audio and video quality when it comes to doing a video or a podcast or whatever online. Um, all those things I now embrace about myself, and I don't hide from those things, and people appreciate that about me. And I get to have a lot more fun now, yeah. and people have a lot more fun around me, Yeah, and yeah. it's so rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. Well, James, how can our listeners connect with you and learn all about the great work that you're doing? So they can connect with me by uh, visiting www.purposefulmillionaire.me. That is uh, .me, not .com. It's uh, .me for me, myself, and I, because I believe that every single person has the power within them to become a purposeful millionaire, and that is by executing and spending 90% of their time, not 50% of their time, but 90% of their time on executing and mastering the success formula. That success formula is idea plus plan, plus execution equals success, and they can do it too. The other place where they can visit me is www.jamesnowlin.com. That's J-A-M-E-S as in James, and as in Nancy, O-W-L-I-N.com. And they can also buy the book, The Purposeful Millionaire, 52 Rules for Creating a Life of Wealth and Happiness Now. I'm so pleased, John, to be a number one bestseller on Amazon it's been quite a journey. I've really, really enjoyed working with my publisher uh, to put that success strategy in place. I envisioned more than two years ago that we would be a bestseller. We achieved it, but we want more people to join us on that journey by signing up for our motivational emails that come out with motivational quotes to keep people inspired on their journey of being purposeful millionaires. And folks can also join us on social media by joining the Purposeful Millionaire Club. So check us out on Facebook, guys. Go to PurposefulMillionaire.me and you can download the success formula for free or the first 20 pages of the book for free and buy the book. Do the exercises. Shoot me messages. I love being messaged on uh, Facebook. Uh, Call my office. Uh, I really enjoy speaking on stages. That's how we can connect. Um, My calling is public speaking. I'm a much better speaker than author, as can be attested to by my editors (laughs) and all the work that went into writing this book. But I am looking forward to people joining us on this journey and to saying, hey, James, I learned that if you can do it, a guy from the rural foothills of Virginia, I could do it too. And this is what I achieved. So guys, I don't want to be here alone. I want you to join me. And uh, it takes the first step. And that is uh, reading the book and and joining us on PurposefulMillionaire.me. Awesome. And we'll have all of that on the write-up. And James, using no more than three or four words, what parting wisdom would you like to pass on to Moving Forward listeners? Be yourself and diversify as quickly as possible. (laughs) Little more than four, but I think great words to close on. James, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us today to share your journey and your knowledge bursts so that our listeners can be inspired to move forward. Well, thank you so much for having me, John. I've enjoyed it tremendously. And remember, listeners, you can check out all of this great information at bemovingforward.com. Follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Join us next Tuesday for another extraordinary guest. Have a great week. And remember, always be moving forward. Now it's time for you to move forward and unlock the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.